This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. We're holding in the middle of Perik Zion. That's the Perik that deals with prophecy. We saw last time all of the different, um, what happens to a prophet when, um, when, when he has a vision of prophecy. Basically, the bottom line is there are four things about the qualities of normal prophecy. And they all are about the Navi, the is overwhelmed by the prophecy. He becomes like a crazy person. It has to be in the darkness at night. It's in a vision. He loses control of himself and so on. Those are elements that are true about all the prophets. And the exception, he says, is Moshe Rabbeinu. Vav. Six. This is true of every prophet. Moshe, who is our um, teacher and the teacher of all the Nevi'im. What difference is there? Let's stop at this before we go into the details. Let's talk a little bit about um, the outside, outside a little bit about it. The Rambam here is going to fill in the details of one of the fundamentals of beliefs, which is that Moshe Rabbeinu is the father of all prophets, he's the greatest prophet ever lived, and, and, and the differences between his prophecy and everybody else's prophecy. The question we need to put down is why is that important? Why is that fundamental? We don't have saints. I mean, we have many, many saints, but 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 saintology is not part of our is, the worship of saints and the glorifying of saints and all these things is not really part and parcel of Torah. I mean, it is appropriate to respect the person what he is to learn from his from his actions. Why is it a fundamental belief that Moses is greater and there could be no prophet as great as Moshe? That's the question. And the answer is, let's take it at the simplest level, is two very important elements. If all prophets are equal, then Moshe Rabbeinu could be overridden by another prophet. And you never have a clear Torah. So, um, so who's to say which prophet is right? When someone, when a Christian comes and asks you, um, why don't you believe in Jay? You tell him, well, he over, well, Moses doesn't allow for that type of thing. I'll say, well, Jay overrode Moses. The right answer is that Muhammad overrode Jay. Muhammad was a later prophet, overrode him. And if he asks you, why aren't you a Muslim? You'll tell him because John Smith, the, the Mormon, overrode him. And and uh, and you know, it's it's. There's no end to, to the process of being overridden by somebody else. And basically, it doesn't allow, so, so not always can tell a prophet is false, so you don't have an absolute standard for truth.
So Moshe Rabbeinu, so one explanation is, one point of it is Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy cannot be overridden by anyone else and that's one. Two, we could also, we have a different way of looking at it. We can say, listen, it, it's like when a person comes along, let's say a guy comes along and he said, he saw this and this happen. Um, I, I saw so-and-so hit this person. One thing I can say is he's lying. The second thing is I can interpret it differently. He wasn't hitting him. The guy had a bone lodged in his throat that was choking him, and he slapped him on his back. It was like a Heimlich maneuver to get to get the boat out. He was saving his life, not hitting him. They both look the same, in, in other words, but but the interpretation is different. I can always so if I come along and I. I can, I can say God doesn't exist. I can say God exists, but he never gave the Torah. I can say God exists and he gave the Torah, but Moshe didn't quite get it right. So unless I am, unless I'm postulating that Moshe got it with crystal clarity and no ifs, ands, and buts, I cannot. Then, then, then Torah falls apart also. You know, to render the Torah meaningless, I can. Can deny God. I can. I, I can deny God giving the Torah. I can deny Moshe Rabbeinu's transmission of it as being uh, perfect. Anyone will see. So believing in Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy that it is absolutely clear, as clear as is possible, is one of the fundamentals of faith. That's why it's different than any other prophet. Every other prophet, prophecy was an otherworldly experience. It was something that didn't click with the person, which is great in terms of how far they were able to get, but it means it's never clear 100%. You know, whenever I'm out of my ballpark of, of competency, I make mistakes. So every Navua is kind of reaching out, and that's why they saw it with some sort of muscle, and they saw it with some sort of distortion, because that's the way the Metzius of it is. Moshe Rabbeinu was absolute, absolutely clear, and that's what Moshe was. So he says, so all these things we spoke about, the styles of prophecy, what are those distinctions? So let's take a look in the Torah. The Torah is actually the good the source for this. To do that, I would need a Chumash. That would be very helpful. Um, I'll get one. Yeah. Get one of those big Shul Chumashim. Rabbi, is it okay to, to like, write a star on, like, I heard that you're not supposed to draw like luminaries and stuff. But no, that's only if it's a real full painting representation. The little stars you do on the side is nothing. Yeah, it means a painting that it, it, but the issue is only when it's something full and real, not not little oh, asterisk type thing. Okay. Okay. Let Let's take a look at um, the Torah. Actually, it, it's important enough for the Torah to give this. It's in Baloscha. It's in a week and a half ago. In the Sedra, it says like this: Miriam and Aaron came and they complained to Hashem, and they said, and they said that. 
he's got it wrong. They, they complained. They complained against Moshe. They said Moshe Rabbeinu has stopped living with his wife. That's not true. A, um, a prophet doesn't have to stop living with his wife. We're prophets. We haven't stopped living with our wives, so we have a normal family life. Sakashprohu told him to get to go out. Vayoma, and he said, Shimon Advar, listen to me. Im if there's a prophet, I appear to him in a vision. I'll speak to him in a dream. That's not true of Moshe. He is faithful in every single space of my domain. I speak to him mouth to mouth. In a vision, but not with riddles. And so to speak, he sees the image of God. Why don't you? Um, why aren't you scared to speak about Moshe? Sakharish tells her, tells them. You know, it's a very Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy is qualitatively of a different nature than yours. And he goes through the psukim and he says, um, said, "You all have to dream or see it in a vision." He is able to stand completely up and awake. Two. All the Nevi'im, it's through an angel. In other words, communication is direct. He sees the real picture that Hashem is trying to present. It's not with an allegory or a parable. He sees it straight as it is. And that's what the Torah says, he sees it clearly without riddles. Now, this is also to eliminate the possibility of allegorizing the Torah. Uh, another way, a person would say, well, just like when Jeremiah saw a boiling pot or, or a stick with amines, they were not relevant to themselves, they were just a, a marshal for something. We can say that all the things God told Moshe in the Torah, so when God told Moshe in the Torah that you shouldn't um, you know that that Abraham had a son at an old age. It means that doesn't mean that there was a person named Abraham and, and a person named Isaac. It just means that Hashem is always faithful to people that follow in His ways. It's just, you know what they call fabulation. Yeah, sorry. So then, doesn't this I mean doesn't this make it very problematic to say that, for example, the days of creation were not pushed 24-hour days and things like that? Well, the problem is in the psukim themselves. There are inherent issues. There's, there are two reasons why this, um, this, how we would apply it to the education. First of all, the Psukim says, the, you know, Vahir Vavoka, there was no sun, there was no moon. So how do we understand Arab and Voka in that context? One. 
two Chazal tell us, Torah of tells us, that until Vayichulu Adkan Kvod Elokim Hastadava, Mikan Vela Kvod Melachim Chakordava, until Vayichulu, it is a description of Hakadosh Baruch in a way that is veiled and hidden. It is veiled and hidden, and the Pesukim themselves don't give us any information. Um, how how would the beings differentiate into different ones? They come in one shot, come from the other. You know, it's it's if the Torah itself is telling us, I am telling you something that I don't, you know, this this is left un, un, unknown and un, ununderstood. But the rest of the Torah, when the Torah starts getting down to to core history and story, a person can't say that when it says the Torah you're not allowed to eat a pig, it means you can't indulge too much because pigs are fatty and 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 you know, and, or else you basically, I mean, which is was one of the ways the Christians they interpreted the Torah as an allegory. These myths. Um, so you, you basically have uh, you know taken it all out of context. He did not see it, so we cannot say about any part of the Torah, and that's why you, you cannot make any part of the Torah. You can only understand it as being shot. You know, in other words, this is what it means. That's that. Um, that's what the Torah testifies that you see it in a clear vision with it's not in riddle form next all prophets fall apart physically emotionally when they have prophecy and and the reason for that is because Moshe Rabbeinu um, is what would have meant if Moshe Rabbeinu were to fall apart when he gets the prophecy it means he couldn't possibly understand it well um, it's just like when I say wow I was overwhelmed by what he said it's way over my head so, so you can't possibly believe what he says over Moshe Rabbeinu was able to assimilate it well because he wasn't overwhelmed by it that's what it means like you speak to someone else you're on par and, and you speak with the other person there's a parody there and, and you understand him well so that's a third facet. And then finally, he says, No prophet can prophesize when they want. And Moshe Rabbeinu is someone that does not need, it doesn't, it's not, it's not ad hoc or infrequent. He doesn't need to get ready for prophecy. He's like an angel, ready for it at any time. Um, and he says, this is the sense in the Pesach. What? Yes, that's Pesach Sheni. Where Moshe could say, yeah. in other words, in, in any other prophet, it's when Hashem chooses. We spoke about it last time, why that's so significant. Moshe Rabbeinu is part and parcel of Hashem. Akash Baruch told them, you, everybody go back to your tents, you stay by me. 
Holomarito, this teaches us, Shekol Hanevim, Kshenevu Mistalekes, when the Vua leaves them, Chayzrim Laholom, they go back to their tents. What does that mean? Your tent means your life. Get, go, go get a life. You know, go back to your home, your wives, your, your meals, your kids. That's why a prophet doesn't leave his wife, doesn't separate from his wife, because he, he, he's a person also. Prophecy is an occasional uh, uh, uplifting, an occasional experience. It's not the person. Moshe Rabbeinu never went back to where he was. That's why he left his wife forever. Or anything like it. And the Rambam's most magnificent description. His mind became tied to the foundation of the world, God. And the beauty of that relationship never left him. His face shone and became like an angel. Extraordinary description. Yes? Uh, yeah, what do you want to uh, Okay, my question. So I, I once heard there was sort of this question of like, you know, people talk about Judeo-Christian values, but when you really think about the, when you take each to its extreme, right? So what we call holy, what they call holy is celibacy. That's their highest level. It's right. you know the priest that doesn't uh, have any a lot of physical interactions. Right. Whereas what we call holy is kiddush and kedushin. Right. You know, it's sort of like the wine and women. Quote, quote. Right. So the question here is sort of like, but Maishir Bain is the one that we look up to. So lechayra, it seems like almost. Good question. Um, the 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 um, the answer is cause and effect. Which celibacy in itself is not a value, but being be you know it's it's not we told Moshe be celibate and that's how you grow. It's Moshe Rabbeinu was completely involved. It, it just as if you had married someone else and you're completely involved with the other person so you don't have you, you, you're not able to bond with the other wife Moshe Rabbeinu was completely bound up in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and therefore you know, it's, it's, uh, let, let's give an example um, if a person's Avodah Hashem starts by not eating I'm going to be an ascetic I won't eat I'm going to sleep on pins I'm going to this and that that's, that's not our understanding of Avodah Hashem but if a person gets so involved in learning and in doing chesed and stuff like that, that he doesn't have much of an appetite to eat, then we see that as a big madrega. In other words, it's not the ascetism as the way of life, but the person, let's give an example. Imagine, imagine that I'm looking how to be successful in business. So I study the lives of very, very successful business people, and I note, I take out this guy, this guy is a real hustle and that, he never eats or drinks or, 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 or sleeps like two hours a night, and, and that's, that's his life. So I'll say, ah, oh, if I won't eat or drink or sleep at night, I'm going to become a millionaire. No. This guy is so driven in business and it's so successful and so good at it, it consumes him. And it, it, you're putting the car before the horse in, in that sense. It, so we believe Kedusha is to be found in when a person lives with his wife and it's sort of Kedusha, it, it's positive. It has Ruchnis in it. But as a person grows in Ruchnis and is misdabic in Ruchnis, this becomes less and less important to him and Ruchnis becomes more and more important to him and he draws back from it. 
Yeah, but I mean, coming out of Parsha Shalach, that's the whole thing. Is like that, that the Maraglim, that their mistake, that they were well, in, were well, in, they had well intentions, but that they thought that they should stay in the in the midbar with them and they covered and things. And Hashem said, "No, dear Betachtenim, you should go into." But, e- but even but even at Yisrael, you find the difference in the ten tribes who who lived and farmed and had a very very normal life to um, to somebody like David Levy that didn't have that. In other words, there's madregas, and certain madregas are of certain things. Somebody came and asked Chaim Kanievsky that, or if you asked that he found the Chazanishist tefillin. Is there is there a reason to you know like should he put them on like is it will, will he get like kedusha or whatever it is and puts it on? So Shimon uh, answered him, if you're the chazanish, then you ought to be wearing chazanish's film. Like, like it's it's not putting on his film makes as holy as him. Uh, you know, he, 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 the film fit him; they don't fit you. You know, it's 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 a hanhaga that's appropriate for that person as a result of ways holding up the other way around. Right. So. Um, it, it's the Gemara gives you the Gemara gives you a handful of people who didn't get married Benazai Benzoma, and 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 it it's understood that some some shot them that they got married but but those all didn't get married it's understood not because the not getting married was a good thing but they were so absorbed in the Torah that they couldn't get married they they were out of it but I want to um, okay so he says that Moshe Rabbeinu was so tied to it and 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 so bound to it that that you know he couldn't um, possibly um, you know he, he was always there I want to explain the significance of that as well anything that happens occasionally is not you and therefore um, it's lacking if I tell you, you know, it's lacking in my understanding and perception if I only interact occasionally. So one simple way of understanding this phenomena, why Moshe was always on call, was that it was another way of expressing the fidelity of it. If I tell you that occasionally I, 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 go, I do music, that means I'm not a musician really. If I tell you music's my life, then, then you can sense that. So it's another way of complimenting the, the not falling apart and all those things. There might be one other way of looking at it, another element. I think it would be as follows. We explained last time that the idea of prophecy coming sometimes yes, sometimes not, is because when I have the other, the fact that it's the other is expressed by that. So, so let's give an example. You have a wealthy man a very wealthy man and he interacts with all types of people so you get an appointment you spend time in a meeting and and there's a time slot for everything and and nobody gets all of his time um, you know there's time for the for, the, for, the, for this business that business there's one person that always that has all the time with him and that's his butler because it's him it's not the other the guy who's coming to do a deal with him is the other. The guy who's coming to present him a new Mishagas to get into, uh, a new entertainment, a new tchotchke, whatever it is, is, is the wife. That, that, that's the other. That's, it's, but the butler is me, and therefore it's always on my behalf. Every prophet is a makabal from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other words, he is the first person to hear the message, which is great. 
Moshe Rabbeinu is the spokesman for Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that's why the Pasuk says, Bechol Neman Hu. He is my guy. He's, 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 and therefore, when, when I hear from Moshe, let's take a difference. Let's say, let's say the, the president makes a statement. And the reporter hears it. And I hear it from the reporter. So that, in a certain, is, is hearsay. I heard it from the reporter or heard it from the president. But when I hear it from the spokesman, theoretically I heard it from the president. You know, the spokesman's words are the president's words, unless the president says he was misunderstood, which on occasion uh, that's what happens. But 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 we need to understand that most other prophets heard from Kachbar, the reporters, and the the way to describe that is always or sometimes. When I hear from the other, it's it's a it's an occasional phenomena, even though it's many times. When I'm a spokesman, I'm always a spokesman. I'm the president's spokesman. So I say, Moshe Rabbeinu is the president's spokesman. Um, okay, I want to add one more point, a little bit of a deeper point to explain this difference in Moshe and others. We said that Moshe is the only one, and the reason is no one is like Moshe. The reason we said is a very, very practical reason. If you have another guy like Moshe, who do you, who do you trust? Who do you believe? I mean, it allows for 25 Torahs and, and there's no end to it. And that's, that's a very simple, practical reason. There's a deeper reason, and let's understand what that is. The Rambam says, in, when he formulates these ideas in his introduction to Chelek, which is where he lists the 13 fundamentals of faith, he says we have to believe that Moshe is the father of all prophets. And like it says in the Pasuk, Navi Komoni Yaka A prophet like me, Akadish Baruchu will will give. Now what is what is the what is the point in saying why do we have to believe he's the father of all prophets? So one thing is that Moshe is the only person that we believe. Every other prophet we believe because Moshe said that when a person comes along and brings miracles and so on and so forth, believe him. This is a point the Rambam is going to be making in the next parak, and we'll see that. There's another Nakuda in, in Aimek Hadavar, and it goes like this. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is one. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is one, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is one message. HaKadosh Baruch Hu interprets that message in many, many languages, in, in many ways. Just like in the Torah, you have 70 ways of looking at the Torah. Um, and you know, each aspect has the times when it's valid, and times when it's not valid, and times in its, in, in its, its framework and so on. So you have Memtes Panim Letar, Ayim Panim, and so on. Moshe Rabbeinu is the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's message. From Bereshis to La'ene Kol Yisrael, those words, those letters are absolute, they are one, they are true, they're always true. And any which way you interpret it, as long as it's within the interpretation that's meant, is right. So if you count the letters, you count the gematria, you say pshat, you say kabbalah, you say remez, you say philosophy, those words will, 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 will be able, it's like a diamond, you can look at it at many, many different facets of it. So the Torah itself is the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. it's the message in its unity that includes everything. And that's why Moshe is the father of all prophets. 
He's the source. It's just like there's no way a child can possess a characteristic that the father didn't. The father may have had it as a recessive gene. He may not have expressed it. He may not have brought it out. But there's nothing, you know, it's obviously the father and mother. But, but, but there's nothing that any prophet has that Moshe doesn't have. So no prophet could possibly contradict Moshe, just like no child can have a trait that parents don't have. You're coming from me, so so your prophecy is 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 uh, is has some sort of aspect that is relating to my prophecy. It it can expand on it, it can explain, it can explore many many different ways of it. So that's a deeper understanding of the relationship of Moshe's prophecy. So there's a very pragmatic reason. In other words, we need an absolute standard, and without an absolute standard, it won't work. I once heard. From Yaakov Weinberg, he was the Rosh Hashiva of Ner Yisrael, a uh, um, fascinating person, and he was speaking in HR Torah. Noach Weinberg was his brother, and he said, Rabbi Yaakov spoke about this point. I don't remember exact details, but he said, if prophecy, if prophets were equal to Moshe, and prophecy could continue to promulgate law, we would never ever have a real Torah. And he said, Rabbi Yaakov said kind of semi-sarcastically, he said, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it was at that time, he said, I had a, I, I said a prophecy, Rabbi Yaakov said about himself. My prophecy was that within five years, the Mormon apostles, you know, the board of apostles, they, that's their high group, and they, and they, they um, contend that they have prophetic visions that guides the movement. So he said, I said about them that within five years they will have a prophetic vision that black people are to be admitted to the church. And he said, and sure enough, he said it didn't take five years, within three years they had that vision. And, you know, because it was, you know, it, it was simply a feedback of, 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 of the, of the Metsias. He said, you bend and bend and bend the rules, you know, to, to fit, and you, and you project it as prophecy. He said, unless there's an absolute standard that won't let itself be bent, it, it's, one of, it's one of the logical issues. When you have a movement that's reformed, you need to ask yourself, for reform to be a valid movement, or anyone, you need to ask two questions. One is, what are those principles of yours that are inviolate, and how are they distinguished from other groups? So let's say we, as Shomer Torah Mitzvahs, the Torah, however you describe it, Chamesh Chomesh Torah with the Gemara, which is inviolate, and that distinguishes us from other groups. But if, if Reform says what's inviolate to us is that people ought to be good and do good, that's great. How does that distinguish you from a decent Christian, from a decent Muslim, from a decent human being who's an atheist? I, I have a, there are not many, many movements. On the other hand, there's nothing else almost that's inviolate. Is Shabbos inviolate? Well, Reform had a Sunday and then Shabbos became popular again, so we went back to Shabbos. So anything that's flexible is not who you are. To define yourself, you, you need something that is absolute and is also distinguishing from something else. To say what's, what's absolute about you is that you're human, 
that's true, and we hope you'll never turn into something other than a human being, but it doesn't distinguish from other people. Uh, on the other hand, um, if you tell me that what's absolute about you is that you wear, uh, it, what distinguishes you from the other people is that you wear a checkered shirt, well, you may actually someday change your shirt. So, so, so it's not, you know, it, those are two things. Moshe Rabbeinu is the inviolate part of Yiddishkeit. That's the nature of his prophecy, and that's what he got. Okay, one more piece and we'll finish. Zion, seven. Hanavi Efsha Shatia Nevo Osola Asum Bovad Lachiv Libo, Olahosev Daitoy. Acheyeda Maslahoyadem Oisadram Magdol. He says, a prophet does not mean only a messenger sent to people to tell them what to do. Prophecy is, is a spiritual attainment of understanding. The Rambams, in the Rambam's world, the understanding of God, his manifestations, his attributes, everything about it, is the single most significant part of, uh, uh, you know, of, of, of spirituality. And therefore, prophecy is an enlightenment that strikes a person. And enlightenment for yourself, for your own sake, is, is, is significant no matter what. He says, V'efsha, she'ishulach la'ame ha'ma'aretz, alen she'ir ma'amlacha, le'bonen, le'konen osam, o'lodiyo ma'yasu, o'limno osam, ma'yasu 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 He might be sent to people to instruct them, to tell them what's right, what's wrong, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. So he says like this, when he's sent to, to people, to, 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 um, when he's sent to people to give a message, then he has a pass. Um, we give him a miracle. So a prophet as a miracle worker is only necessary when he is being sent on some sort of mission. Um, he's not when he's when when prophecies for your own enlightenment, knowledge and understanding is what it's about. Miracles is not what prophecy is about. But when a prophet comes to me and he says, Let me enlighten you, I say, Okay, where are your credentials? I need something. And that's why I need to bring a sign. And I'll explain later what the signs are. But he says, um, so so the first thing is so so the Rambam the, the first thing he's putting down is saying is it's not the, it, the core of prophecy is not the sign or the miracle or the prediction. That's a necessary piece when he's coming and presenting himself to everybody. We need to do that. Now he says, so therefore the flip side, it can't be, it's not every single person that comes and gives a sign or a miracle that we believe is a prophet. In other words, every prophet brings a sign or a miracle, but not everyone who brought a sign or a miracle is a prophet, because that's not prophecy. Somebody that we know, this person really deserves, this person is wise, beyond. And he's a type of person that could be a prophet. And we see him developing as a Navi. And then he does a miracle and says, God sent me. This is a point the Ramam hammers home, and I think it's a point that's very relevant today. There, there was, the, the Ramam has a few letters to communities that had issues with false messiahs. Ram has a letter called the letter of Tchiyas Mason, Resurrection of Death, the letter of Tutaymon, um, and so on. 
the letter to, the, to when they were forced to, to convert. He has a bunch of letters on, on, and one of them was there was a crazy guy who claimed to be Mashiach, and people asked him about it. And and the Rambam says, not mincing any words, why would God pick a nutcase to make him a prophet? You know, it's like if God is picking someone to represent him, wouldn't it be somebody who's very wise? And and, and therefore, this guy comes along. We know nothing about him. And, and one of the issues that we have the Hasidic tales. The lore of say tales is well, the great and important significant rabbi wasn't so important, and this humble tale and nobody anything about comes and he's possessed with divine spirit and so on. So it's not that it can't be, but you need to ask yourself what, what was going on? It, it, you know, because he's an outcast or misfit, doesn't make him a prophet or a man of the divine spirit. It, you can say that there was an unnoticed great man, that's fine, but, but I need to be believed, I need to have a reason. To think. And the same thing is true with today, you have all these people who are so-called Kabbalists. So, so, so to test him on his knowledge of Kabbalah, we may not be able to, but I need to have a sense, is this person wholesome? Do I really feel he's got his, you know, he's got his wits about him, that he's honest, integrity, scholarly, pious, and then I'm willing to trust him on the rest. But just because he comes along and wears mysterious robes and rolls his eyes and sells all sorts of stuff, why does it make him Kabbalist? Like, why does it make him into into a, a, a miracle worker? I, I mean, hello, God chooses people that are um, that are men of character, men of wisdom, men of genuine piety, and then I, then I can say, okay, trust you on the rest. But 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 if nothing else fits, and and the only thing about the person is that he's strange, it doesn't doesn't make that and, it's, and people don't understand it um, we believe in great people great people means it's, it's like a pyramid there's real solid character on the bottom real solid learning real solid work on themselves and the, the crown of that is the transcendental but you can't transcend until you haven't actually been been there you, you've, you've got to have all the flaws on, in place then you can transcend it but it doesn't stop with transcending it the only thing I know about the person is that he's weird, strange, off the beaten path, well, that's all I know about him. But can, can it be that he's drawing on some sort of like Ruch Tuma or something? Well, if he is, then why would you want to get engaged in it? I don't, you no, know, you I, wouldn't want to. Huh? Not that you would want to, but that... Uh, it could be, it could be, it could be a Shalton. You know, there's no... The, uh, the, uh, skepticism is very good. You know, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it says in the... Um, the, 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 the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says that the reason for the mitzvah, for the, for the prohibition to believe in magic and engage in magical practices, he says because it's befitting that the people of God be wise and not swept up with stupidities. And to go along with every stupidity that comes along, it, it's wrong. Skepticism is is a very, very. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu came along and he told Kadosh Baruch Hu, "I'm going to come and say God sent me." Well, they're going to tell me who says. That's a very, very right question. And doubt, you know, it, it's one thing when you doubt someone that you shouldn't doubt. If if let's say somebody you have a good relationship for a few years, and then he asks you for a big favor, could you lend me ten thousand dollars? And then you say, "Well, I'm not sure." If you, ask, you are sure, but you just don't want to lend the money. That's you know, God gave did all these miracles. What's the skepticism about? Well, it, 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 that's a problem. But 
but when someone comes along and says, "Trust me," that, that you know, believe in me. Um, well, uh, on what basis? I would say the difference. For instance, let, let's take three examples and to understand what the word belief is. Imagine somebody comes along and, and, and meets me and he says, "Could you lend me a thousand dollars?" I think about it and I say, "Okay." I'll, I trust you, but I want collateral. Um, your, I, your iPad is worth a thousand bucks. I'll take as collateral, and I'll trust you with a thousand dollars. Well, I don't trust. That's not called trust. I mean, that's tit for tat, and, and I have your thousand dollars. Let's take a second case. A guy meets me in the park here, slightly unshaven, slightly smelly, and he says, "Hey, brother, can you spare a thousand bucks? I'll give it back you next week." And I say, "Sure, I trust you." That's not called trusting. That, that's called recklessness. That's called throwing away the money, and and that's not trust. I, I can choose to throw away my money, but that's not trust. Means I've done business with you. It's always been good. And the fifth time, or the sixth time, or the seventh time, am I sure you'll repay me? No. But I'm building on something. You know. So when a person comes along and he says, "Trust me, this is the right thing to do," I need to have a basis for it. I don't need to have it absolutely proven, but I need to have the basis for it. And if the person is a, a person that I've known and seen as being honest, wise, growing, so when he says, I've transcended and God sent me to tell you to X, Y, Z, it at least makes sense. The Efshri says, Sheyasu oisim oivs venenov. A person can sometimes do a miracle, he's not a prophet. Vizeha ois yeshad varam begoy. Af alpi kein mitzvah lishmerli. Trump says, even if he's not a prophet already, but he's brought the sign of the miracle, he is a person whose character would lead us to assume that this person is of that of, of that caliber. Then is Israel. So Ramam says here his understanding of prophecy. There's a, there's, there's, there's a passion in the Torah. I, how do we know? Let's pose the question. How do we know a prophet is telling the truth? The answer is as follows. It says in the Torah, in... So it's a show of them. Okay, it says, I will, I will cause a prophet, um, I will cause a prophet to come by you, and Rakhash Prabhu will give you prophets like me, Moshe says. Um, because you asked for Kashbrokl to give you to keep telling you things even though you couldn't hear it himself. And um, I will tell the prophet what to say and, and so on and so forth. And you know, he goes through what you're supposed to do with a prophet. So Hashem said, if a person comes and he has presented the credentials I've given to you, you need to listen to him. So he's um, a, a person whose character leads us to believe he is worthy of prophecy and he brings a sign then the Torah commands us to listen to him even though we're not sure and even though it's possible he may not be a prophet and he says it's very similar to the way the Torah told us to listen to two witnesses are we a hundred percent sure not lying no but the Torah said when two witnesses have been cross-examined testified something we must listen to them maybe they're lying 
that's what the Torah says we ought to do. So, so let's give an example. Let's say somebody comes to us. Um, I'm, I'm the manager of a bank. And a person presents to me the appropriate credentials needed to withdraw the money. He has picture ID, he signs a signature, and this and that. And then I prove that all of it's been forged, but it's a forgery at the level that the bank could not have detected it. So they did right. Our agreement was that when you identify yourself with a picture ID that I can shine the little light on and looks and the picture looks like you, and you sign a signature, I should give the money. It, 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 so Akadosh Baruch Hu said, under these circumstances, listen to a person, listen to two witnesses that testify, listen to the person who comes along. And as far as the truth of it, there's a passage in itself. It says, the hidden things are for me. Hashem says, you only deal with reality. If on the surface of it, you've done what you can do, the due diligence, and this is what's happening, this is what it is, that's what you have to listen to. So when a person asks you, how do we know the great court knows the truth? How do we know the prophet is telling the truth? We say, we're doing right because we're following the procedure. Akash Baruch Hu said, if the great court decides this and this, listen to them. We listen. If two witnesses come and testify, you cross-examine them, they whisper the cross-examination, and it appears they're telling the truth, and people of good character, we listen to them. If a prophet comes along, and this prophet is a person of stature and character, he's learned, he's wise, he's been engaged in prophetic studies, and he's brought a sign, listen to him. If Hashem somehow managed to get somebody else with forged credentials, his problem. Because we deal with the reality that's in front of us, Hashem deals with the so-called absolute reality. Okay. Um, next week, 